Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because... There was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they'd seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them, in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen, just as they'd been told. Hope is a precious commodity. I think sometimes we use the word and we don't even know exactly what it means. Will you get a present for Christmas? Well, I sure hope so. Will you watch a Christmas movie? I hope so. Will Aunt Edith bring fruitcake to the family dinner? I hope not. <laughs> Look it up in the dictionary and you'll see that hope is this anticipation or expectation of some event or experience. But if you contemplate it for just a little while, you'll understand that hope has about it a mathematical sense, a statistical probability that something will or will not happen. We hope we get a present. We hope this happens. We hope that doesn't happen. There's a possibility that it may or may not occur. This morning I want to talk to you about Christmas hope. And the title of the message is Christmas hopes, plural. And for me, that just grammatically doesn't fit. Christmas hopes. What does that mean? Well, it means simply this. 
There are multiple things that I'm hoping for for Christmas. Hope is plural. But I want to make clear to you this morning that when I talk about something that I'm hoping for in Christmas, I'm not speaking in the sense of whether or not it will occur. I'm speaking from a biblical perspective. And when you come to the Bible and study hope, you know what you'll find? That there is a confident certainty that it's going to happen. Hope, having only positive expectations. And so as we come to the Christmas story this morning and the traditional passage is here in Luke chapter 2, I simply want to mention two things that I hope will occur this Christmas season. But when I say hope, remember, I'm talking about a confidence that it will happen. It is a hope that I know can occur if only we'll accept it, if only we'll embrace it. And the first thing that I'm going to say is that I hope that we can learn to trust God as did Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the one who brought our Savior into the world. Now, in order for you to understand this, you've you got to think about it a little more, and you may even have to go back this afternoon and read Luke chapter 1, because Luke chapter 1 has some interesting verses in it. It's the idea that God comes to Mary and lets her know that that child that is within her, that is growing, that is conceived, that she will ultimately give birth to, is not hers. It is God. And that God is the Father for the world. God is going to do something not just for Mary, but for the world. And he's careful to explain that this child is going to be the long-awaited Redeemer, the Savior, the one that everyone has looked for and hoped for for centuries. Would you have chosen Mary? I wonder if, if I'd been the one put in charge to say, I need you to find a parent, a mother who can give birth to Jesus. I need you, Bill, to go down and, and find Mary. Now, if there'd been a neon sign above her, doot, 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 pointing and blinking, and say, I'd say, well, that's the one. I mean, if I, if I looked all the Jews over and wanted to find one woman that was just a standout, one that was just obvious, would I have chosen her? The answer to that, of course, is probably not. I mean, as far as we know, she was not Phi Theta Kappa, not a graduate of Jerusalem University or Israel's best. I mean, we don't know much about her at all. I think we have to be careful when we come to Mary because we acknowledge the fact that the Catholic Church teaches and that, that there was an immaculate conception that took place when Mary was born. Now, when a lot of us hear immaculate conception, we think as it talks about Mary, it's talking about the birth of Jesus. But the immaculate conception has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. It is the idea, according to the Catholic Church, that God protected Mary from sin. And as she came into this world, she herself was sinless, and for that reason... God chose her. Now I want to say something to you this morning. I'm not, I'm not bashing the Catholic Church or speaking against the Catholic Church. I want you to hear my heart. 
I wish I could believe that. I wish I could believe that about anybody. I want people to be sinless. I want to be sinless, don't you? I mean, that ought to be a drive and a passion of ours to be so obedient to God that we've never experienced sin. But we know what the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's stated in different ways in multiple places. And I think that all also includes Mary. I think she was just a common Person, a common woman, so common as a matter of fact, that as you study the Gospels, you'll discover that when Jesus was buried in the tomb, as those women came that Easter morning to visit Jesus, there were three Marys who came. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and another Mary that we really don't even know much about. It was such a common name, I don't think that we would have picked this Mary. But read Luke chapter 1. The Bible doesn't say anything about Mary being sinless. But what the Bible does say is that Mary was special. And when the angel came to Mary, the angel said, Greetings, favored one. Mary began to wonder, what does that mean, favored one? And as the angel began to explain to her once again, why God has chosen her and what God is going to accomplish in and through her, Mary, in chapter 1 of Luke, composes a song. It's a hymn of praise as she just sort of expresses her gratitude and her thankfulness to God. And read it carefully and you'll know what, it discuss, you'll, know what you'll find. It's not Mary saying, thank you for what you're doing through me. Thank you for the Savior that's coming to the world. It is a song and a praise and a hymn, a poem of humility. That, God, that Mary could not believe that God would choose her. Unbelief. Me? You've chosen me to do this? Almost an unbelief. And yet you discover that Mary makes the transition to where she begins to trust that what she's been told is true. And she willingly accepts the assignment. She willingly accepts what God has given her to do by bringing Jesus into this world. Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, is all about understanding that God is doing something special in this world and saying to him, I want to join you in this venture. I have a friend who, uh, in conversation one time, he, he was uh, sort of making light of these preachers on television who heal people on the spot spontaneously, as if, you know, they, they can do it anytime, anywhere that they so choose, whether or not God is a part of it. Now, that's basically what the conversation was like. And it's the idea, my friend said, that he thinks that every time he sees a preacher slap somebody on the head, on the shoulder, on the leg, whatever, and say, be healed, that he hears God saying, please, I'd rather do that myself. Now, that's a clever sort of way of thinking about healing in that sense, but I want to tell you something. God is in the business of asking Marys and Josephs and shepherds and wise men and everybody that we know was a part of that nativity. He's asking people to get involved in the event and He's asking you and me to get involved in the event. Why aren't we? You say, well, some of us are and I am sometimes. I know, I get that, I understand that, but here's what I want to show you. 
I think that if somehow, way, we had the omniscient ability to look out into the world and to see people as we see ourselves, if we weren't insecure then, we would be insecure if we could see it that way. Because I think every person to some degree has this question in their mind, oh, God can never use me. God will never ask me to do that. God will... You know what? You're saying more about God than you're saying about yourself. For when you say God can't do something or God won't do something, what are you doing? You're limiting God. Don't do that. I want you to see yourself as God sees you. And I want you to understand that God has called you and me to do something special in this world. And right now, in this time of the year, He wants us to remind people of what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus. It's about Him coming into this world to be born of the Virgin Mary so that He could become our Savior for all mankind. I love what the angel said, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but as He came to the shepherds, what did He say? For unto Mary is born a Savior, right? Unto the Jews is born a Savior. No, He said unto you is born a Savior. I want to build confidence in you this morning to believe that if God asks you to do something, that you can do it. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. He is God. And God will not ask us to do anything but what He is with us and will empower us with the ability to do that very thing. I don't know if this story is true or not, but I have read it in so many different places. I have to believe that there is some sense of truth to it. I'm not sure what it is. In the 1700s, there was a Shah in India who wanted to build a monument to his wife. You remember his wife died and ultimately he built the Taj Mahal. And as the story goes, the construction drug on for weeks on end there. And as he went to visit the construction site, just to see what progress had been made, the story is that as he's walking around, he tripped and almost fell over a wooden box. He asked for the person in charge, the foreman, to come and stand with him. And as he came, the Shah himself, who was paying for all of that, pointed to that wooden box and said, Get that out of the way. There's too much to be done around here for it to be right in the middle and people are tripping over it and it can be painful and harmful for someone. And the foreman looked at him and said, Shah, every word that you speak, I will obey. But I want to remind you that that box contains the body of your beloved wife for whom you're building this monument. If we don't point others and ourselves to the manger scene and remind us of what Jesus did as he came to this earth, we'll just sort of trip over it. We'll overlook it. We're inclined to forget that it's there. But it is the business of the church, ladies and gentlemen, to remind the world of what Christmas is really all about. Luke chapter 2 says it very simply. Jesus is here. And every time we gather for worship, I think it is important that we say that. Jesus is here. He's not out there. He's not wandering around. 
He is the risen Lord who is with us this morning. Trust God the way Mary trusted God. But the second thing I want to remind you is that these shepherds had an inexpressible joy and enthusiasm over the visitation of the angels when the angel came to tell them that Jesus was born. And they in haste went to see Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the manger. Now we just sort of sort of paint the scene here a little bit for you. And I want you to think about this. Tradition says that the shepherds were in the shepherd's field just south of Jerusalem. And when the Bible says that they came in haste to Bethlehem to see what they'd been told was there, that was no small trek for them. It was, it was probably about a 10-mile uphill climb. And as they had to climb that, that, that incline, you know, to get to Bethlehem, I think there were probably times along the way where they may have had to stop and rest, where they may have stopped and had conversation about what the angel said and maybe even had talked about, is this really what we need to be doing? Think about it. I mean, there's a practical side here. It's the idea that they were watching over their flocks by night. You and I both know that coyotes come out at night. Other animals come out at night. They would prey on the sheep. So there was a risk involved, which leads me to wonder, was there a shepherd that stayed behind to watch after the flock and the rest went? I don't know whether that's the case or not, but it's an interesting thought. I was actually writing a narrative one time in my ministry where I was the shepherd who was left behind. But I abandoned the idea because the Bible just doesn't say much about it. But it's the idea that they left the sheep in order to go see what the angels had proclaimed to them. Now if I hadn't made you mad already this morning, I'm going to make you mad now. So I woke just two or three of you up when I said that, right? I want to point out something to you. Lovingly, I do it lovingly. We have this idea that when angels appear in the Bible, they sing. We see it in the Gospels. We see it in the book of Revelation. It is the idea that the angels come and they are singing. But I just want to point out that it says that they were saying glory to God in the highest. Angels never sing in the Bible. Not one single time where angels are mentioned will you find that they say, however, however, I believe that when angels speak, it is such a beautiful, heavenly language that it sounds to us like music. And when the angels came and they told the shepherds this great thing that had happened in Bethlehem, the shepherds said, we need to go see it. Pause. Put it on pause for just a minute. Let me ask you to think about it. What are, what, why shepherds? Why, shepherds, why not the religious right or left? I don't care. Why not the religious leaders of the day? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes for crying out loud. We forget that they also were religious leaders in Jesus' day. Why not one of these groups? Can I tell you why? First of all, it's the idea that I think shepherds would have been honored to have been told this story first. If it had been the Pharisees or the Sadducees, they would have said, Well, I thank you for that. It's about time. Well, I will gladly go and do this because I, I should be doing it. I'm privileged to be the one who leads and tells other people about God and religious. No, 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 no. Shepherds, overwhelmed, in awe. 
and like Mary in humility. It was the idea that God has come to us and also to the fact and the idea that I think God wanted to say to them, I came to save people like you. Not, not just the religious people, not those people who, who were trying, but, but you, you see, shepherds in that day were, were the lowest of the low. They, they were considered to be thieves, really, because they were nomads, and they would take their sheep from one location to another, and as they traveled from place to place, well, from time to time, they had trouble with what was mine and thine. You get it? Mine and thine. They would steal. You'll think about it when you get home, and you'll appreciate that. It took me a long time to come up with that idea. Mine and thine. They got it confused. And they, so the shepherds were like miners. And I say this very respectfully because I could not mine like miners. When they come out of the mines, what do they look like? My goodness, they're covered with soot and smut and coal and their charcoal black all of, and their skin. And shepherds were dirty and stank. And people didn't want to be around them. And yet God said, there's some shepherds down there south of Jerusalem that I want them to hear and know what has happened in Bethlehem. And God sent the angel to tell them. And as they heard the angel's news, they said, and notice that there was not much hesitancy at all. We need to go straight. We need to go right now. We need to go see this thing. Hurry before they leave. We want to see exactly what the angel has told us. And as they go to visit with Mary and Joseph, they find Jesus there in the manger, the wooden box. The Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. You ever wondered what these things were that Mary pondered? I think she probably pondered the angel telling her about the child that she would give birth to. I think she probably pondered all of those things that occurred as the angels told the story to her and Joseph, as the angels told to the shepherds and the shepherds came. I think Mary probably pondered a great deal of things. We hear the song, by the way, Mary, Did You Know? Beautiful song. Mark Lowry wrote the song. Beautiful song. And the idea is that did Mary know? Did Mary know? Did Mary know? One thing I'm confident of, Mary knew that Jesus was a special child, God's child, and that God was going to do something great in and through this child that she brought into this world. She trusted God. She pondered these things. The angels were anxious and excited to go and see this thing. And then the Bible did this. It said the shepherds went and told what they'd seen. If we're not telling people about Jesus, something's wrong with us. We need to share the good news of Jesus. We need to come to the manger scene and worship as the shepherds worshiped, as the wise men worshiped. We need to worship Jesus, but we also need to go and tell others of the wonderful news of what Jesus can do for them because of what he's done for us. Have you ever heard of Jason in the land of puzzling tales? 
It's just sort of a fictional story about Jason and a forthcoming birthday that he had. Jason was very young, about five years old. And in this story, because Jason doesn't know it's a fictional story, Jason is confused because he lives in a land where water freezes in the summer and in the winter trees just bear a bountiful harvest of fruit and produce. So things are backwards in this land of puzzling tales. Jason is looking forward to his birthday and as his birthday gets there, his grandparents come into town. He sees them drive right by the house. They don't come to his house, they go to a friend's house down nearby. His mother bakes a birthday cake, but instead of giving it to Jason, she gives it to the mailman. His friends acknowledge that it's Jason's birthday, but they don't give a single gift to him. They exchange gifts with one another. And about this time, Jason is fed up. And Jason goes and grabs a, a megaphone, you know, one of these cheerleader megaphones, and he gets on his bicycle and he rides through his neighborhood. And all he's saying through the megaphone is, Whose birthday is it anyway? Whose birthday is it anyway? Well, I just want to remind us that it's Jesus' birthday that we celebrate. Was he born December the 25th? Probably not. But we celebrate the birth of Jesus this time of the year. And I hope with positive expectations that we will trust God as Mary trusted God and that we'll be excited about the story of Jesus coming into this world to saving and redeeming mankind and we'll want to share him and His love this time of the year. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray that you would take this message and use it as only you can. Apply it to any and every heart here. And Father, if there is any person who has yet to publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, would you give them the freedom and the courage to come forward this morning and say, yes, I understand who Jesus is and that he died for me and I want to give my life to him. Father, I pray that if there are Christians here this morning looking for a church home simply because you would lead them and because we receive members in many ways, let them come and say, yes, I want to be a part of North Winona Baptist Church. Let them use what gifts and abilities they have so that your church may be strengthened. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake.